Welcome to the We Are From Dust podcast, episode 10, Holding Creative Spaces. My name is Yomi Ayeni. I am the chief instigator at We Are From Dust. We are an art non-profit organization dedicated to the proliferation of large-scale participatory and interactive art in public places. In the creative world, having a dream isn't enough to make things happen. You need money, a crew, and most importantly, a build space, be it a shared studio or simply a small space of your own. With thousands of commercial and industrial buildings vacant and decaying in towns and cities all over the UK, one charity has set up to make affordable creative spaces available to artists. Artspace LifeSpace's mission is to provide access, space, logistics and support for a vibrant creative community in Bristol and beyond. With over 300 artists affiliated with the project through their studios and creative businesses, it's little surprise that most of my friends have gone west. Today, I am joined by Catherine Chiswell-Jones. She is manager at Artspace LifeSpace. Catherine, welcome. Hi. Hi. I'm fine, thank you. How important is having a safe and affordable space to the creative industries, especially with where we are in time right now? It's quite an interesting question to ask, and it's been a big topic of conversation for our space, live space. In 2019, we actually created a weekend-long summit talking about the need for affordable creative space called Teacherville. And it was really looking at how artists come into spaces and different areas and how we need to be responsible as artists and not displace different communities that we come into. Um, there, Traditionally, artists have moved from low space to low space and many artists earn uh, less than £16,000 a year. So it's of utmost importance that artists have affordable places to live and work in order to be able to create. And so as those affordable creative spaces and also affordable accommodation becomes fewer, it means that artists are constantly being dispersed. I mean, your mission is quite, has quite a wide remit. For those not aware of Artspace LifeSpace, what would you say your core services are? Um, I would say our core service is to, as Artspace LifeSpace, is to provide creative solutions for vacant, underused and problem properties and turn them into creative spaces um, we work in partnership with artists, we work with building own owners and communities and what we do is we secure normally on a meanwhile basis interesting buildings, a lot of the time they're heritage buildings that people mightn't uh, have an idea of how to use them and then we turn them into vibrant creative spaces providing low cost affordable studio spaces for artists and um, and depending on the vi- on the venue that we have, it provides different activities. So it may be a focus on theatre or circus or dance um, and visual arts as well. I mean, do you have a particular criteria for the projects you support and you take on board? Oh, that, that is the art projects. Well, initially, I would say initially, Artspace didn't have a specific idea. It was more a case of if a venue looked interesting, they would they would go in there and build art. Um, it, it evolved really from the kind of squatting community where um, 
a building would be available and people would go in and use them for creative uses and move on to the next one. So previously, we very much looked at meanwhile space buildings going in, uh, working with the community to to put on some fun shows um, and then move on to the next venue. Um, in more recent years, we're working more with the com- local communities to find out what kind of building they need for the future. So it's not just about going into buildings and putting on fun shows anymore. It's about creating spaces that will create more long-term uses for the local community as well. I mean, you you mentioned um, the squatter scene, which is is something that I, I experienced when I was at college. And I mean, they were extremely vibrant creative spaces. Almost every single person who lived there had, uh, with this, my, my squat, had, had some unique talent and things that were creating. I mean, could you just take us through the history of Art Space, Life Space and how you've gone from that end to where you are now? Sure. Well, two, two of our founders um, of Art Space, Life Space were, were really key to this and they had a core team of people where they would often, they would initially, they started by squatting buildings um, and putting on creative work in them. And then as time went on, really when they moved to Bristol, they really became more involved with working closely with developers and with the council just to ensure that they were being responsible about the buildings we went, they went into. So when Artspace moved to Bristol, it was at a time when Bristol was really at the cusp of, of regenerating. Um, London had already become quite unaffordable, so artists were starting to move west. And the buildings that, uh, that Artspace moved into, um, when, when I first moved to Bristol, they t- had taken over the motorcycle showrooms and they put on these amazing, really quirky, different shows. I mean, I mean, I'm saying these aren't small buildings. These are, it, it, it can range. So the, the buildings that Artspace have been into, some have been small buildings where they just occupied to create gallery exhibitions. Then others were short-term use of an exhibition in an old pool. Um, one in particular was quite amazing. It wasn't an it wasn't a squat. It was an old cathedral, and that was working in, in conjunction with the developers. And in six months, they literally cleaned the place um, by hand. A lot of the the original art space crew cleaned it themselves in their chemical suits, cleaning down pigeon um, debris, and it was quite nasty work to create something beautiful from places that were really um, derelict and squatted and dirty and putting on these amazing shows in them. And that is now that has now been redeveloped. It's, it's taking the opportunity with these buildings for a very short space of time to imagine them in different ways. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. The, the sort of thing that London, I guess, uh, many cities around the UK would, would actually benefit from. And it seems as if certain parts of the country have more or less sidestepped the that creative space concept, that collective creative space, and they've all gone for um, you know more commercial work sort of workspaces, so to speak. Whereas what you've got going there is is pretty amazing. As I said, 
most of my friends have had my creative friends have headed have headed west you included i mean what led you to and how did you come about art space life space um well i i i myself met you through burning man and making art and uh enjoying having large spaces to make uh, work. And my first experience of art space, life space, was through the Invisible Circus shows. And anybody who was in Bristol around 2007, 2008, will remember the amazing Carnival shows at the island. And the island is our flagship project. It's um, an old police station and at the time the Invisible Circus had taken over the old fire station and it was a really inspirational time. Um, the ringmaster of the circus was shouted out, look up to the skies and you looked overhead and people were abseiling down buildings and there was fire shows and balconies and everywhere there was this feeling of excitement that something great was going to happen. And, and for us, it was great. We, were, we have been really lucky. We happened upon the island, island as part of something called the Capacity Project in Bristol. Now, the Capacity Project was a scheme that was run in conjunction with Bristol City Council. And it was very much about bringing in creatives into disused spaces. So it was quite a visionary thing for a council to get involved in. And we saw a lot of different exciting art projects happen over that uh, over that period. Unfortunately, if you look back now, of all those venues, the island is one of the few of those buildings remaining. So as you were saying earlier about how a lot of people um, in other areas, and particularly in London, focus on more of the creative aspects in terms of its commercial benefit we're seeing the same thing happening really here in in the southwest there is definitely more of a a push for the the digital creatives and the more commercial creative um spaces and you're seeing a big rise in quirky co-working spaces and where a desk space would cost you the equivalent of a whole artist studio. So we're definitely seeing space for artists and particularly space to make large work and um, reduce in, in the Southwest too. I mean, that's, that is pretty sad because you, where you live in Bristol has probably one of the strongest and, and most tight knit sort of creative communities. It's honestly over the past 10 to 15 years, it's seen as, for me, seen as a safe haven for, for the dreamers who can make magic happen. It, it, certainly, it certainly was a, a more of a haven in the past. And we have some wonderful art spaces in Bristol. Like we have us art space, live space. We've got the Jamaica Street Artist Studios. We've got Spike Island Studios. And they provide lots of affordable space for artists. But it's not just about even the affordable art space. It's about being able to live. And uh, Bristol as a city has become a lot more unaffordable. Um, you're looking like for, for somebody with a family, they would need about £1,500 um, a month to be able to rent their own property. And for a lot of artists, that is more than their income. So how can we support artists on low incomes and uh, to have places to make and places to live? 
um, in Bristol. It's there is a lot of competition for accommodation in Bristol, um, as well as artist studio space. And yeah. the island has a long waiting list for artist space. Um, I believe Spike Island Studios waiting list is two years as well. Whoa, whoa! So, I mean. That is that is crazy. I mean, being a burner, and I, I'm proud to say you're a foundation member of of um, the European Pan European Burn Nowhere, which is in Spain. You understand the importance of having affordable creative spaces. Uh, you've, you've you're a creative yourself, and how have you found being in Bristol and watching this this tight net this net gradually kind of tighten and, sh- and and close in on on one of the things that has made it such a vibrant city um it's absolutely a huge worry for us and for all of our board um we will be publishing on our website in the next couple of weeks a report called future bill 2020 which summarizes the key actions that need to happen and there really just needs to be a step change. Like to date, it's it's been seen as this cycle of let's just bring in the artists, uh, let's gentrify an area, or should I say, let's regenerate an area. Um, and it's thought we'll, we'll bring in the artists, we'll make a place look shiny, and then we'll move on to the next place. And um, you can see that across the southwest. Um, our Arts Council England are very much putting a lot of their focus on uh regenerating uh for example uh, western supermare which is an area of very high socio-economic deprivation and a lot of inequality you have a lot of very rich towns surrounded by quite a poor center um and you have to be really responsible as an artist about these areas that you go into not only are you obviously as an artist you want these opportunities you want these buildings and you want these places but at what cost will that mean to the people who you are going to with a very rose tinted glasses view to help and bring your culture to but are you therefore pushing them out? And that, that really needs to be addressed going forward. And it's something that arts space are going to be focusing on over the next year. Perfect. I mean, to, for the, to give people a certain amount of context, you mentioned Western Superman. I know, I mean, being, being a podcast listened to all, all around the world, uh, some of you will remember Western Superman. It was where Banksy hosted the Dismaland um, experience. I guess that's almost about ten, nearly ten years ago. If I'm not surprised, if I'm not, uh, if, if my memory serves me well. Um, and you, the, the West has some amazing spaces. And one of the reasons for what I gather, one of the reasons why he used that space is because he used to go there as a kid, and he'd seen it fall into amazing disrepair, and he got a whole load of art there to draw attention to the space, mm-hmm. and. That was amazing. It was a great experience. I don't know. Did you make that? Did you go to that? I actually gifted my tickets to somebody else who was oh. during the week. So uh, there was somebody that was far more desperate than me to attend, and I had a young child at the uh, at the time. So um, I was I was happy to gift my tickets. Um, oh. But it, it was a really. I know a lot of people that were involved in it at the time, and it's quite an interesting. Project. The whole project was very interesting, and really, if you want to know the ins and outs, I I highly recommend a further chat with our um, 
co-founder and uh, trustee of Artspace Lifespace, uh, Doug Francis, who was also working for uh, Western Supermare. And he has a lot of insight into how that project was viewed. And there's there definitely with that whole uh, Banksy and Disneyland um, effect, it was very much seen as yeah, bring in the artists, bring in the artists. They're going to get everything done. They're going to gentrify the place, make places nicer. Um, and also um, then things will regenerate and we'll get a nicer caliber of people in the area. So uh, <laughs> there is an element of art washing that needs to be considered with Absolutely. that kind of event that we've only really become, I think a lot of young artists coming into it only are more aware of as time goes by. Indeed, indeed. Um, you were talking about, you know, the relationships that you have with the property owners and how hard it is to, to, to you know, to find and source these properties and how hard it is now because they're being used for various other purposes. Um, how easy is it to convince them to hand them over, to trust you, to take them on board? I think it's very hard. Our art space, life space have a reputation for taking on buildings coming in, getting them up and running really quickly, and then handing them back. Um, because we're very much aware that that's the deal. Um, but there, ha- there have been cases in, and I know within the council or within, with some de- developers, they're, they're quite wary about it, who they deal with because they do go into agreements where, where developers will say, yeah, you can use this building for two years before it becomes this. And then the artists move in and they go, well, actually, I quite like this building. I don't want to leave. And then there is a petition for them to stay on and then people fall out. And so art, it is harder to get spaces because developers and the council don't want the bad public relations or the difficulty of having to get artists out. I guess in the same way that people didn't really want buildings squatted because they didn't want people to stay in forever. <laughs> And, and it's a really hard balance because there are so many amazing spaces that could be utilised in a better way if only there was more security, uh, both for artists and for the developers. Like, for example, a lot of artists don't want to leave because they have nowhere else to move on to. So if there was more of a succession planning so that artists weren't just thrown on the streets or that developers who, you know, in they have bought these places and they have an ultimate goal for them, but they would rather pay through the nose for a security course rather than than help artists out. So that that's one of the things we really want to look at um, in our next steps of how artists and developers can work together. And we're looking at creating a developer char- charter and a meanwhile use charter that maybe could be used as a as a basis of agreement between both parties well that's 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 beautiful and how much would you say uh, your average space would cost for an artist because as we both know that uh, it's very very hard to raise money in itself if you're if you're an artist in the creative industries uh, i mean for now i mean creative industries have almost been disemboweled but under normal circumstances say an artist has need for a small space to build something on a very short time scale what's what's your rent structure kind of like um well uh the rent structure across most studios in bristol the cheapest that i've seen seen is is from nine pound per square meter 
when you're renting a studio to um, up to £15 in Bristol, which is verging on to London prices when you, when you hit the £15 um, per square metre uh, rate. But in terms of larger spaces for making smaller scale work, that's a lot harder. Um, uh, we currently have we currently have um, people building a giant LED snail in the ground floor of Ashton Court Mansion, um, and that's on a residency and a paid basis because their budget would never have stretched to hiring the whole of the mansion for for a month month long hire. So we're we're looking at it on, on a different way and we're looking in that being an arts charity we're able to do that we're most of our income is is from the spaces we hire out the studios we hire out we don't get funding from from arts council england or from another organization to help our organization run and so i, I was just about to come to that that for the amazing stuff you do, funds must be very thin on the ground. Absolutely, and particularly in the current times. Um, so we we have various different spaces, and we we run um, through a mixture of of hire of art studios on a longer term basis, and dance space and circus spaces. And all of these are tend to have to be self-supported, otherwise we wouldn't be able to manage as a venue. We also had a nightclub venue in the ground floor of the island, and the proceeds from that helped support us run as a charity, um, which obviously means that it's quite um, unnerving in the current times, wondering what will happen and how will we be funded in the future. Um, and we had our first really large grant from Arts Council in England as part of the Cultural um, Emergency Fund. Um, well, well <clears throat> you, you actually, I mean, you're based in Bristol. I mean, how far is your reach? Uh, well, originally, uh, Arts Based Life Space was London and then it predominantly came to Bristol. So we're Bristol and North Somerset at the moment because we have Ashton Court Mansion. And we've been talking about moving further out into the outreaches and different towns that we might want to work in. But we were southwest, and the performances are that in, when the Invisible Circus were was part of our organisation. Obviously, they have more of an international reach because they would uh, often perform, perform abroad. Um, but we we're very much a southwest organisation. And I mean, what what really attracts me, and I find very very amusing about Art Space Life Space, is not just the range of services uh, that you, you you provide, but the mix of the creative industries that you pull together. And uh, it's not, as you say, it's not just art. It's it's circus, it's sculpture, it's you know across the board and dance, and. Do you find that you try to to almost hold a balance between all these respective disciplines, or is it just a case of whatever space suits whatever project? We very much look at the space, and then that dictates what project it would suit. 
Um, but traditionally, art space, life space and circus were very much intermingled. So while we broke apart as an entity, um, our sister company, Invisible Circus, is still very much a part of what we do. And we work very closely with them on different projects. So circus and dance and theatre has always been integral. And then offshoots of that have been different um elements such as fashion and costume making and of course visual arts and graffiti and we love a mix like we're we're what I really love about art space is the grassroots nature of the organization and the fact that it is very um you know it's lowbrow contemporary it's not it's not high art it's very accessible art if you have an idea for something we'll consider it so we've had just so many different things happen in all of our spaces and I'd hate to think that we were limiting ourselves by having this designated idea of what we consider to be art so we we very much said that we're we're accessible we'll we'll look at the art that comes in and we'll we'll consider if it suits the space what we don't do is censor what people consider to be art um unless it has uh it, it's a, it doesn't blend with our um, really our vision as an art space to be inclusive. I mean, what what you've painted such a rosy picture of 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 the operation and and the sort of services you offer, and as I said, not surprising people have flocked west. It actually seems as if you've taken some of the more 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 attractive parts of the of the creative industries and the creative landscape of places like San Francisco and New York and Los Angeles. And you've you've found a, a hub where you can offer the sort of support that will help these areas flourish. Um, I've, I I like that. Uh, San Francisco and Bristol have always seemed to me as being rather twins. So if you if you look at the UK as a whole, I think of London as New York and Bristol as that. <laughs> Thank you. We've got the hills as well, so sadly not the trams, but that's that's another contention, contentious item in Bristol. But very much in Bristol, we, we're so lucky in many ways because we have so many much green space. We have an amazing parks team here who really have these wonderful spaces. And, uh, you know, particularly in the current pandemic, it's, you see people using our green spaces in different ways and we're also closer to the outskirts of um you know we're on the doorstep to amazing parts of somerset and devon and i think we are lucky in that way that we've got all these places and we've got a lot of other interesting creative industries like for example the festival industry we've got Shambhala here and boomtown here and Arcadia um, are based here as well. And you've got all these wonderfully different creative types. So it's not just it's not just one element of arts. You're you're having some really different people here. And we've got, you know, film and TV here as well. Channel four have just moved here, as well as the Botley Art Studios, which is the film studios, is looking to expand. So there's a really interesting blend for artists in the city. So you can absolutely see why why it's become such a draw. You've got space, you've got interesting people, um, and you've got a lovely laid back Bristol attitude as well. Well, I mean, you've got you've got just around the corner. Well, a little bit further on, but not too far. You've got the Glastonbury Festival as well. You've got Ardman in town uh, within the BBC, and I know a lot of the people from the industry. 
actually provide services to to be it the natural history sort of unit and various other little well I say established clusters that are all in the west of England which is and for those for the sci-fi people um I'm sure Bristol provided quite a lot of stuff for for the Doctor Who series as well as um, Torchwood so it's yeah. a it's a great space yeah absolutely yeah there's there we're lucky to have loads of different filming going on in Bristol that you know we've we occasionally see people pop up at Ashton Court um, and we even had pole dark fencing in the Museum of Ashton Court so uh, yeah we, we get we get some very interesting uh, activity throughout Bristol and we you know we we're also home to like an amazing old theatre so you have Bristol Vic and then some really great community art spaces like Trinity Centre which is if you're looking for really exciting up-and-coming music that's where you tend to go to um and and the clubbing scene as well you mustn't forget the nightclubs here like you know Bristol for a reason has become this home of uh, seen as this home of trip-hop and you know it's got massive attack it's got you know from um, nearby Portishead and you have uh, this drum and bass scene that came out of Bristol as well yep. and you have amazing new artists coming making music from here all the time. Oh, That's that beautiful you, you've mentioned several times a place called Ashton Court where we have a project uh, that we're going to be doing together but could you kindly explain what is Ashton Court? Sure um Ashton Court is a mansion house and estate. Uh, it's in the west of Bristol. Um, it's in between Bristol and North Somerset. Um, the grounds of Ashton Court are hugely historic. It has evidence of human occupation from the Bronze Age and the Iron Age and the Roman period. Um, the field systems there are among the best preserved in the region. And this is because it was turned into a deer park in the 14th century. And in 1545, the whole estate was bought by a merchant called John Smith. And it remained in that one family until 1959. Um, and the estate developed from the original Deer Park. It's a grade two star listed um, on the Register of Historic Parks and Gardens, a special historic in interest in England. And it is also... A current home of the space, life space. Um, it was bought by Bristol City Council in 1959 and they ran it as an events a venue. It was a country club for one point in time. Um, but in 2017, it closed. And that's when we approached Bristol City Council to take it on in the meantime and provide uh, creative uses for it as we do with our other spaces. And I'm very happy to announce that very soon it will also be the home of the We Are From Dust Sculpture Park. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's our very first venture outside the US and we are more than honoured to to be part of this amazing project. And I, I know you painted an amazing picture of, of the, the building and the grounds, but... Until you stand in front of this thing, you can't quite understand or even grasp the magnificence that 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 just has sat there since time immemorial. I think it's a 13th century building or something like that. Um, than that, the building goes back to doomsday. Okay. Uh, 
and uh, what of the current of the current building that you see, it, you know, it ranges from from thirteen hundreds up until Victorian times, um, and it's it's a stunning building. It's it's just seat in history, and of as you walk around, you see all the different history. Like in the grounds, you see the history. Um, part of the designs of the grounds were designed by Humphrey Repton in the early 19th century. And so it's a really historic landscape. You know, it, it, it is a listed landscape, which is quite unusual for, for a park and for a public park. And it's publicly open to visitors of Bristol. Um, the only charge to go in there is the £1.20 to visit the car park. And it's really accessible I mean, it's it's amazing in in the sense that we, when we set up, we are from dust. We had this big dream to create open open exhibitions for people to actually help connect them with with art, but also uh, to give them an opportunity to actually look at certain aspects of them, their existence and their lives, and and you know think in ways that they normally wouldn't in their day-to-day lives. And there's always something about big art, to stare at something that's enormous. I guess a little bit like staring at Mansion, I mean, Ashton Court, rather. You stare at it and you just, your mind wanders as to how the hell, what the hell. And that is more or less what we're trying to do. And the, 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 the combination of the landscape, the house, the art, the deer, the location, is just a dream come true. Uh, we we couldn't be happier to be to be working with the, with you guys on on this, and it's been a long time coming. Yeah, and and it was quite serendipitous, really, when we first talked about you looking for a space in the UK, and I raised my hand and went, "Check out this place." Um, we had been talking about creating some site-specific sculpture um, that encouraged participation and that would be open to the public. But as a small arts organisation ourselves, with a lot of artists to support, we we kind of thought this might be a dream for a few years from now. And then we are from Dust said that they were interested in moving to the UK, and it just really seems like this perfect opportunity to partner and create something really interesting in terms of creating a participatory space and um, that would just be really open and welcoming to visitors and family and playful and fun. And it couldn't it couldn't really have come at a better time when people are so reliant on their parks and so need outdoor space, but also want to connect. Um, and so I feel like some of the pieces that we have chosen for, for our launch will really reflect that. Um, and it's going to be really um, an amazing thing for us to, to launch at this time. Indeed. Uh, the, the idea of encouraging people to step out, even though in, uh, currently in groups of six, uh, if you're listening to this at a later stage, this is uh, October, no, September, end of September 2020. And in the UK, we have the rule of six where you can only hang out with six people outdoors. And, you know, to have a vast space like that and visiting Ashton Court on a sunny day, even on a not sunny day, your it clears the mind and it's just so apt right now because not that many people are going to be familiar or happy with going to hang out in indoor museums 
which is a bit of a pity, but that is that is the case. Yeah, no, that is very sadly the case. It's um, we we run other exhibition spaces. It's hugely challenging um, for people to feel comfortable m moving into a space, and there are a lot of people that have to shield and just don't feel that comfortable not in being in an enclosed space. So I'm really happy that we're able to provide something new for people to look at at a time when they may not feel comfortable inside. Indeed. And what would you say is a dream scenario for art space, life space right now? Uh, for us as an organisation or yeah. for the culture park? Well, <laughs> for well us, let's go for both. <laughs> for us as an organisation, our long-held dream and something we're working towards is securing a long-term lease of our flagship project, The Island. Um, and our other dream would be to find other places outside of Bristol. So Art Space, Life Space originally originated as this life living space that artists also worked in to create work and we'd like to explore that model again a way to provide affordable space for artists um to live and to work in um and we'd like to own our own building someday so that there is this security for artists um at that currently we have a lot of the the risk with buildings without the security of it so i think we'd like to particularly in these current times, have that security so that you have your own own space. And I think that's what all artists want. They want the security of a space and not to be moving around all the time. Um, I, I think maybe we're all getting older and want to settle settle down <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and know that we can provide security for the young artists coming in. So as, as an organisation, that's our dream, just to be able to continue to provide this affordable space for our artists in the future. Catherine, thank you very, very much for, for joining us on the We Are From Dust podcast. The exhibition date is going to be announced very, very soon. It's within a matter of weeks. Um, and as soon as we have the, those details, we'll be announcing them. We will also be hosting the Art Space Life Space URL on the website with links to all the other locations and projects that you have mentioned. But thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. You have been listening to the We Are From Dust podcast. You can find links to all the locations and projects referenced by Catherine on our website, www.wearefromdust.org. We Are From Dust is a non-profit organisation and you can support our mission to bring the transformative power of interactive art to public spaces by making an online donation. We Are From Dust is fiscally sponsored by the Sierra Art Foundation.